Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. You know, I've seen receivers break right and the quarterback's throwing the ball left. But just as he throws the ball, the receiver breaks back to the left again, fooling the defender, and ends up right where the ball is at that exact moment he hits that spot. Just as he gets to that exact spot, the ball is right there. The quarterback did not throw the ball where he was. He threw it where he was supposed to be. Amen. But if that receiver gets it in his head, you know, I mean, they they call a play in the huddle, and every person on the field, you know, for that team knows what their job is when that play is called. From the center hiking the ball to the blockers knowing which way to turn to the defender to keep them away from the ball carrier to the receivers knowing which way to cut and jive uh, so the quarterback knows where they're going to be as he throws the ball. It's all a well-oiled machine and it, it looks so easy to pull off, but it takes practice, 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 and more practice. And if one person does not do what he's supposed to do, then the entire team looks like they're confused. If the center hikes the ball and sends the ball over to the head of the quarterback. Or if the defender, you know, the blockers decide they want to run down the field and receive and let the defenders run unabated to the quarterback and sack him. Or if the receivers run the wrong routes, it looks completely foolish instead of spectacular. Well, it's the same way with us. God You know, we're one piece of the puzzle. God has his plan to get his word throughout the world. And he tells this preacher over here, I need you to go here and preach this. And he tells this pastor on this Sunday, I need you to preach this. And he tells an evangelist over here, I need you to preach this. And all three working together are orchestrating the entire thing God wants done at that particular time. It's like a symphony. You know, you have the guy with the cymbals that, you know, if he decides he wants to, you know, beat these cymbals together whenever, he's on his, you know, he's listening to iPod 
you know, has earbuds in and he's listening to rock and roll music and he's just going to town with the cymbals, but he's not playing according to the music sheet that everybody else is on. Not only does he look foolish, but it throws off the entire orchestra. But a good conductor, he can have the violins and he can have the bass drum and he can have the cymbals and he can have the clarinets. And if you've ever sat in an audience and listened to them as they warm up prior to the performance, it sounds absolutely terrible. I mean, a, a third grade music band sounds better than they do when they're warming up. Why is that? Because each group is warming up according to their particular instrument, how they prepare for it, how they tune it. But then all of a sudden you hear the click, click, click. That's the conductor tapping his little rod on the stand, letting everybody know, okay, look at me now. And when he begins to orchestrate the violins, the clarinets, the bass drum, the cymbals, the, the horns and saxophones, that it sounds absolutely marvelous. Amen. That's what God is trying to do with these pastors in the earth today. He says, over here, I want you just to preach on this today. Over on this side, I need you to preach on this today. Out here in the field, I need you to do this today. And when it's all done in orchestra, the devil doesn't stand a chance. Amen? And how important is it for us to be on God's sheet of music going along according to God's plan. Well, let me just re-emphasize. You've heard me tell this story before. I'm going to do it again anyway. Way back in the early, late 1890s, early 1900s, somewhere in that time frame, when horse and buggies and wagons were still the mode of transportation, trains were just getting their foothold, especially out towards the west. An evangelist with a horse and wagon traveling throughout the Midwest came upon a town, set up his tent, put out his sign, you know, revival here. And he stayed in that town for seven days, preaching his heart out giving an invitation every night, nobody coming forward. He had a good crowd there, you know, maybe 50 to 100 people every night. But every night he would give the invitation and nobody came forward. And on the last night of the revival, he preached his heart out all that he had in it, gave the invitation and nobody came forward except this one little boy, about seven years old. And that little boy gave his heart to the Lord that night, little Billy. In the natural, it looked like the entire week had been wasted. This guy had heard from God, 
obeyed God, went to that town, preached his heart out, witnessed for him during the day, preaching that night. Nobody got saved that entire week but one little seven-year-old boy named Billy Sunday. And I know you heard of him. How many millions of people are now in the kingdom of God because of the preaching of Billy Sunday. And that one lone, no-name evangelist is getting as much credit for every soul touched by Billy Sunday as if he was preaching it himself. In the natural, it looked like the absolute stupidest waste of time God, I could have gone over to this town that was bigger and had better results. But if he'd have done that, Billy Sunday would not have been born again at that point in time. Oh, I'm sure later on in life he would have been. But he got born again then and it began his change and his transformation. And beginning, God began to shape him right then from age seven. And Billy Sunday has impacted the world. And it was because one no-name evangelist obeyed God. That's how God orchestrates all these things together. And when we do what God says to do, we are one giant symphony orchestra lifting up praises to God. But if you get someone who decides they want to go out on their own, I'm not following the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. I know what I want to do for God. It's just like that guy with the cymbals beating his own, you know, going to his own tune. It just throws off the whole symphony. Everyone looking at it can focus on the one guy who's not doing what he's supposed to do. You could have a 1,000-piece orchestra and you get one guy playing his own music instead of doing what everybody else is supposed to be doing and following the conductor. Every person in that auditorium, you could have a 50,000-seat arena. All 50,000 people will be looking at the one guy who's not doing what he's supposed to do. And think the entire orchestra is dumb. And think the conductor doesn't know what he's doing. All because one guy wants to do his own thing. Now, put that in relation to the ministry, every ministry, all across America, all across the world, You need to be in symphony with God as your conductor. Amen. Everything I'm giving you right now is not included in my notes for today. That means I'm being led by the Holy Spirit of the Most High God. And this message is going on and touching somebody's ears and heart that needs to hear it today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me see if I can find my place in the notes. All right, let's go back. That there is a place called there 
for every one of us. You cannot necessarily see it from where you're at right now. You just have to obey and step out in faith on what God has told you to do. The provision is not where you are now. It is there. It is found while you are doing what God has told you to do. Many people will say they're waiting for their provision before they step out. But God says, I have already commanded the birds to feed you there. I have already made your provision there. Let's look for a minute where the brook of Corinth is. It's not on any map today, but it must have been at least two or three miles long because it was feeding into the Jordan River. So how did Elijah know where to go? Well, he just continued walking along the brook until he found a place where bread and flesh or bread and meat had already been placed. Remember, God had already commanded the ravens even before he spoke to the prophet. So Elijah, you know, I mean, birds do not have the same, shall I say, inquisitiveness that people have. The birds would not have argued with God like people do and say things like, He's right here, God. Why do we got to carry the bread away over there? No, they would just do and obey. And they could certainly fly there faster than Elijah could walk there. So I believe he just kept walking until he seen and found the place where the birds were bringing the food. And then he knew, I'm here. I'm at that place called there. The Bible doesn't say, but I believe it was probably a little like oasis, well hidden, probably with a little cave to keep Elijah cool in the heat of the day and a place to build a little fire where the fire wouldn't be seen at night. Amen. Keep him warm during those cool nights. But the brook of water was right there also. And the birds kept bringing the food every morning and every night right there. So Elijah stayed right there. Amen? Now, what would have happened if Elijah would not have obeyed God's provision for him? It would not have obeyed God. He said, no, I'm not moving. I'm staying right here in this house. God, you gave me this house 10 years ago, and I'm staying right here. I'm not arguing with you anymore about this, God. You do what I say. Bring your provision here. That would have been arrogant, wouldn't it? God's provision for him would still have been at the brook Corinth in that place called there. But it would have become food for the animals or just rotted right there. And all the while, Elijah would have been starving to death back here. Going through and suffering through the drought with everyone else back here or have been captured and tortured by the king and his henchmen back here. There is a place for obedience. Obedience does not change God's heart towards you. He still loves you even if you're here and not there. But if you're not in obedience, you certainly make it hard on yourself and your family here 
instead of obeying God and going there. I know. Amen. God has put a call on your life, folks. As I've said many times over, every person is called into some form and fashion of ministry. You may not be called into the fivefold ministry, but you are called into some form of ministry. It could be ministry of helps. It could be the ministry of intercession or the ministry of finance. Financing the word of God as ministries and preachers take the word to the world through internet radio, traditional radio, television, or evangelism meetings, supporting missionaries, whatever. But if you are called into an area of ministry, your provision is already in place for that ministry. But if you are in disobedience instead of obedience, you are suffering and you are going through some things God never intended for you to go through. But Brother Bob, I'm afraid you know God's going to tell me to go to Timbuktu, but I don't want to go. Well, then you are in disobedience and your provision for your life is over there in Timbuktu. Have you ever been to Timbuktu? Well, no. Well, how do you know you won't like it over there? We're not supposed to go into these areas and become like the people who live there. God may tell you to go into the ghettos of Calcutta, India. That doesn't mean you go there and live like you belong in the ghetto of Calcutta, India. You're supposed to go and invade these territories so that everybody there wants to be like you because you are doing what God said. Praise the Lord. Shout amen, somebody. Don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Here's another example. The Lord asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. That did not make any sense at all to Abraham. It looked like he was going to kill and burn the promised child through which the Lord had told him he was going to become the father of many nations. But that command was to go to a place called there and sacrifice Isaac. That was Abraham's there. It was what God had told him to do. Now, he could have said no. Abraham could have said, No, God, I refuse to kill my son. My one and only son that you promised me. No, I'm not going to do it. Because his provision was there. If he would have said no, and what if he would have, knows the Bible doesn't say that he went and discussed this situation with Sarah. <laughs> I have a feeling that uh, if God would have, if Abraham would have shared this you know, God wants me to take Isaac over to this mountain three days away and sacrifice him 
to Jehovah on that mountaintop. I have a feeling Abraham probably would have died right there because Sarah was not going to let him take her baby. Now, it doesn't say how old Isaac was, but some scholars, you know, it's not like the little Sunday school picture, you know, where it shows them about a seven-year-old boy being laid up there. I don't think that's right. I have a feeling that Isaac was approximately, probably, if not 17 to 20, somewhere in that age bracket anyway, he was old enough to understand what was going on because he stopped Abraham and said, "Where you know, I see the wood, you know, I see the fire we're carrying, but I don't see a sacrifice. Remember that? He understood there had to be a sacrifice here somewhere. Where is it? Abraham told him, God will provide his own sacrifice, prophesying about Jesus. But Isaac knew something was up. You know, we didn't, we've never done it this way before. So what's going on here, Dad? You know, I see the wood. I'm carrying the wood. I see the fire, but I don't see the sacrifice. What? What's up? Isaac was old enough to understand that. And it does not say that as Abraham prepared the sacrifice, or prepared the wood, laid everything in order, and then turned around and said, Come here, Isaac, i got to tie you up with these ropes. And the next verse says, Isaac suddenly you know, decided to make his home in the neighboring country because he ran for his life. doesn't say that. Isaac willingly, willingly got up on top of that sacrifice, on top of that altar. He trusted God as much as his father did. We talk about the faith of Abraham that was willing to offer his only son, the son of promise, that he became the father of faith because of that. We don't talk about the faith of Isaac. Isaac had faith in God as well. Isaac said, okay, I've been told about my birth. I've been told that I am the fulfillment of the promise God gave to my father. And everything God has told my father has come to pass. So my future is secure. As I, my children, will become a multitude of families so numerous as the stars in heaven or the sand in the desert. It's impossible for God to lie. He promised this to my father through me. I don't know how God's going to work all this out, but I'm going to trust in the God of my father Abraham. And Isaac laid himself down on that fire, on that wood, and was prepared to have his heart stabbed with that knife. As he is getting tied up and he is willingly laying down on that wood, he kept waiting for deliverance. Hadn't come yet. So he's just got to trust God. When I'm dead, he's going to raise me back up. I don't know how. It makes no sense to me at all. But I know God is faithful. 
and his word is true. And he just put his faith in God. Jesus did the same thing. Nobody has ever gotten out of hell that went there. But yet, God promised Jesus, I will not allow your soul in hell. And I will not allow your body to go undergo decay. Word, word of God says corruption. It made no sense at all to Jesus. The only sense it made was he trusted God completely. Remember, he laid aside all of his divine attributes. He was a man in a man's body, but he was also God in a man's body, which made him a suitable sacrifice, perfect in every way. But his own mind was developed on what he had learned through his life. His spirit was all God. You, if you're born again, you have the same spirit on the inside of you as Jesus is. You are created in his image. Jesus was created in the image of God. Jesus' will was to do God's will. Every step of every day. Just like you can conform your will to do the will of God. But we are made up. We are a triune being just like God. We have our mind, our will, and our emotions wrapped up in our body. We are a spirit. We have our mind, which is your, your mind, will, and emotions. And we live in this body just like Jesus. He had the Spirit of God. He had the physical body. But his mind was focused on God's purpose for his life. And he knew what it was. He didn't know how God was going to raise him out of the depths of hell. He knew, he even told stories about the upper regions of hell where those who are righteous are being kept from the flames and the torment, a place called paradise. He knew that place existed. Nobody ever got out of there either. But nobody ever got out of the pit of hell. There's no promise for them to get out of the pit of hell. Their whole purpose to be cast into the lake of fire that had been prepared for the devil and his angels. Jesus didn't understand how. He just knew God would because he'd promised it. Isaac, laying down on that wood, didn't know how. But he just trusted in the God of his father that what God promised him was going to come to pass. That Abraham's family become a multitude of nations, so numerous as the stars in heaven and the sand of the sea. He didn't know how, but he willingly laid himself down 
closing his eyes, waiting for that knife to penetrate his heart, that he would die. But I believe both he and Isaac, in a discussion on top of that hill, knew that somehow, some way, God was going to raise Isaac from the dead. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.